Hello and welcome to PostgreSQL, a weekly show about all things PostgreSQL. I am Michael, founder of PG Mustard. This is my co-host Nikolai, founder of Postgres AI. Hey Nikolai, how's it going? Hi Michael, all good. Uh, how are you? Uh, so what's the topic today? The topic is data types. What kind of data types? We're going to try and keep this to half an hour, so we're going to very much have to do a, a 101 intro to data types, but I think uh, you've got some interesting things you want to go into first, right? Yeah, well, so, so data types is a huge topic, and we probably should just try to provide an overview and some entry points as usual, because uh, for podcast it's impossible. If if you want to uh, squeeze it into thirty minutes, it's impossible to cover all the topics. Postgres has huge uh, number of data types supported, and extensions bring even more and more data types. Obviously, yeah, I've heard it described as one of Postgres's main strengths, one of the biggest reasons to choose Postgres, which I completely agree with. Did you want to talk about system types to begin with? Yeah, yeah. So before we uh, go like really wide we should discuss I, this is my idea it was my idea yeah. let's discuss data types each postgres always has because they are internal and i encourage touch some data types even if you just start uh, working with postgres uh, recent episode about with tips for beginners and in a related article i posted it mentioned ctid data type which is quite useful to understand how MVCC, uh, multi-version concurrency control, works in Postgres and uh, to start understanding uh, versions of rows, and, like to feel how vacuum works basically and so on. And you just, this is just a hidden column in any table and uh, it provides you two numbers. So it's like composite type, it provides you two numbers which tell you location of a tuple. So uh, page number, starting from, I guess, one, or I always forget, one or zero. So page number and offset inside the page. And the interesting uh, trick, uh, as, as I usually say, you can uh, ex extract one of parts if you just convert it to point first and then address the first or second part of this value. It's just a trick to, which you can use to do some, I don't know, like some statistics if, to learn how your data is currently organized. And of course, if you perform some updates and search deletes or, or to vac vacuum or manual vacuum processes the table, of course, uh, physical layout changes and some rows can migrate to different pages. And this is one of the system types which is worth knowing and using from time to time. Yeah, I really liked your tips on using this to get an understanding for how things work at the disk level. So understanding tuples are row versions and that they can move and that they get a new CTID when they've moved. Like if, if they've been updated, even if it's a, like a no-op type update, they can move. That was really good. The first time I actually came across this was I did a bunch, I did a whole glossary for explain and all the different operations and fields you mm -hmm. could see and explain. And I came across a TID scan and I was like, what is this? And it was so interesting to read up on it. It's generally only used, well, it's, it's like an internal thing. You can use it, but it's generally a bad idea because tuples can move. So right. yeah, that was my first experience with it. Right. Also, there are a few more data types you probably want to at least know they exist and, and I'm sure at, at some point they will be useful for any even like backend engineer, not just for DBAs, 
They, of course, all of these things are implementation details and it's like kind of internals, but it's very useful to know about them. For example, uh, LSN, there is a data type called PGLSN, and it's a kind of our moment in time. So it, it always uh, grows, 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 grows. And uh, interesting uh, thing to remember, if you have two LSNs, you can subtract one from each, each another and you will have a delta measured in bytes. So it's really easy, just use operator minus, and that's it. Of course, there is some function pglsnd for something, but anyway, like delta of lsn so is a, it's log sequence number, it's position in wall, and it's constantly progressing. Of course, there is another value, xid, transaction ID, you mm -hmm. can also play with it, it's like regular integer, so... You can work with it as well, but LSN is very interesting, so you can understand how much data you produce in terms of wall data. All writes go to wall, obviously. Also, vacuum can write to wall and shift LSN as well. And maybe, maybe final thing from me is a pair of useful data types, also internals, OID and uh, reg class. So each database object has OID, it's like object ID inside database, and there are some OIDs which are hard-coded in Postgres code. For example, when new system table, system view, or new data type in core is added, it has assigned OID, which is just written in source code. And even there is a function, there is a script in helper script, which help Postgres developers, Postgres hackers to find unused OIDs that can be used. So there are some gaps sometimes. So OID, uh, for example, if you create a table, it, it immediately has OID assigned and you can select it from system view called PG class. So you select PG class where real name equals your table name and you can find OID. And also, there is a type called rec class, which corresponds to records in PG class. And all tables and indexes are there. Also, views, materialized views, they all are there. And interesting trick is that you can take OID and just convert it to regular table name or index name, just uh, saying colon colon rec class. This is interesting. This is the shortest way to get table name from OID. And vice versa, of course, so you can convert it back to OID. So it's it's useful sometimes to deal with some catalogs and to find, for example, if you have a very wide rows for some table, you know there is toast, we had episode about toast. When you have toast, you sometimes need to convert table name to... O toast table has OID of main table inside its table name, so you need to play with it and Understanding that it's so easy to convert to OID and back to relation name. So relation, it's kind of overused term, but almost anything is a relation. I mean, table is a relation, even index is a relation, and they all go to PG class. So you can convert back and forth just using, remembering type names. And the most difficult is to remember reg, reg class. I, will, I tend to forget it, but I use it quite a lot as well. I came across it recently when I was hosting the PG SQL Friday event and somebody, I think it was Diane Fay, 
used it in their query for pgstat statements as a really neat way of casting. So actually casting is the important word there, isn't it? The colon colon you mentioned is used to cast from one data type to another. So it's really cool, really powerful. Yeah, and it's postgresism because the standard ways say cast. Cast something yeah. as something. I never use it because it's too bloated. It's better to just write colon colon because I definitely know I'm not going to migrate from Postgres to anywhere. Nice. In the interest of time, should we move on? Yeah, now let's talk about basic atomic data types like numbers and texts and dates and times and so on. Where to start, numbers or text? I think text, because I thought this was quite like a nail. When I first started learning about Postgres, the advice I read felt like really sensible and I got on board with it. And then the more I learned, the more I realized it's like a little bit more complex. So I feel like this might be one of the more interesting ones. So yeah. the, the reason that I think it's interesting is unlike a lot of relational databases, Postgres has a text type. That and not and and a lot of the other databases rely on character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And character limits are really common in uh, a lot mm-hmm. of other, when people are using Oracle, SQL Server, and and others. And I think there's a few guides out there, and a few uh, even the wiki. In fact, I was going to mention this later, but the "Don't Do This" page on the wiki is brilliant for data types. So I'll, I'll link that up. But one of their advice is generally to use text and they go into good reasons as to when it may or may not make sense. But yeah, how do you feel about that? Is it the same wiki page which says don't use money? Yep. And don't use timestamp, use timestamp DZ. Don't use money sounds funny, actually. I, I, yeah, well, inside Postgres, I tend to follow this advice, but uh, Mm -hmm. outside I I prefer not to. So it sounds like communism, you know. But uh, as for text, uh, first of all, Postgres supports varchar char as well, like a standard. Yep. So standard uh, type supported. And, and, but with some addition, varchar can be used without limits as well. You can say varchar. True. And it will behave similar to text. And on Stack Overflow, there is a question where I think Peter Eisentraut commented that there is very, very small difference in terms of performance because there is some additional code. Well, I have mixed opinion here because first of all, of course, it's good to care about performance, but it's also good to care about the quality of data. And when yeah. we talk about quality of data, we need uh, constraints. And Varchar offers such such constraint. And actually, if you define Varchar 100 and then next day you decide, oh, I need 200, 200 uh, characters, it's just an altar and it will be quick. It will oh, not... No yes. locks, to, even if you've got a lot of data in there. From 100 to 200, it's obvious we, we don't need to scan table, right? Well, in theory, but not always things that are in theory possible are true. I, I recently checked. I was surprised it's not scanning table. Well, maybe I'm wrong, actually. It's, but it's easy to test. You generate a huge table, you start observing logs, measure time, and so on, and you, you see if it scans table or not. I suspect in one way it won't. If you increase it, we could spend the rest of this episode on this specific topic. I remember a really good yeah. blog post on this. Maybe uh, it's outdated. Brand. Well, Branda did a really good in-depth blog post on this. Uh, pardon me. How many years ago? Only <laughs> recently. Depends on version, so probably. I don't know, but uh, I, I recently I, I was explaining someone that uh, it's so, as you say, 
And mm-hmm. I wanted to, as usual, I, when I say something, I, I, first of all, I need to double check myself. So I do experiment, yeah. always experiment. So just check it and see. And I needed also to demonstrate with real experiments. So I made experiment and I was surprised that it didn't uh, perform. It was very nice. fast in this way, like from 100 to 200, increasing this limit. So again, okay, it's better not to memorize these things, but know how to check these things. It's always good to check and it's always also good to have some testing system which uh, will not let you to deploy bad change which will block table for long. True. Right, so it's, we discussed that about database experiments, testing, and so on also. So it's that area. Well, okay, to use text, but my question is how are you going to control the length? Many people tend to control it on application side. And yeah. uh, many years ago, I was very, um, I was criticizing them a lot because I was saying, you know, look, only a database can control constraints reliably. Because application, like, soon you can have several applications and you need to copy-paste this logic in different languages probably, right? It's not good. A database can control this and so on. But they had reasons, uh, for example, painful uh, schema changes. Yeah. Because it, I get it. And, for example, if you tell me you are going to use Enum, even with Recent support, I think in Postgres 13 or something, uh, it was added. You can alter it, uh, saying I want one more value in enum. I will say, okay, uh, what if tomorrow you will decide to remove one value, and you know your table doesn't have it anymore, and it's terrible. So instead of enum, uh, probably it's better to use just check constraints and uh, know how to cook them. You do it in two phases. First, you define check constraint uh, with not valid flag. Uh, after each, some people think it doesn't work if you say not valid, but it works for new values. So all inserts and updates will already will be checked for this check constraint, even if it's marked as not valid. But not valid means uh, we skip checking existing data. And then you now in different transaction, you say alter table, alter constraint, uh, validate, validate constraint. And in this case, you don't block anyone and it's so, it's so good. And in this case, you can create another constraint with this approach and drop uh, old constraint. And this is how you migrate to different set of values to be checked. So the, I prefer this recipe instead of using enum. And similar here, well, I honestly also use text in many cases, but it's not good when you want to store email and then you forget in in your application, you forget to check it, and then someone inserts one gigabyte of data because Postgres supports up to one gigabyte of uh, inside one value. It's, it's huge, right? So I question, can you use check constraint for the length then? Why, why is it different? Exactly. Yeah, you can. And uh, altering them probably is easier because mm. like, it can be fully automated. You just define in two phases. You define new constraint, drop all one, that's it. Good about this approach is that you can work with any data type, even with JSON. You can take JSON and say, I have check constraint. This JSON always must have this key. Well, you can build now even a JSON schema around it. And I think Superbase guys did something like they have extension probably for kind of JSON schema to put some constraints. You know, sometimes you want, again, for data quality, you want, if you work with JSON, you still want 
to have it like semi-structured. You want uh, to have some keys existing or some values inside keys or some arrays, objects, I mean, and, and so on. And, and uh, in this case, you can define some check constraints that will prohibit inserting data you don't want to be inserted. And I mean, this recipe can work with any data type. This is the good side of this recipe. Yeah. And we know how to deploy without blocking. I think I agree with you on the enums front. I did once see a really good, really entertaining talk by Boris Mejas that I liked trying to defend the enums, trying to say all the positive things about them. But I think overall, I agree with you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, it was it was a valiant effort, I think. Do you want to move on to like yeah. numeric types? Numeric types. Okay, yeah, sure. One of, again, one of recent tips uh, I had, uh, again, in beginner's topic as well, we had it, mm-hmm. uh, don't use integer for primary keys. Yeah. Just don't. <laughs> and uh, what else? Like uh, n- numeric, if we talk about integers, they are like small int, uh, normal int, if, if, four bytes, and some, big int. I think floats are an interesting discussion, and I think there's some subtleties here, like... Um, yeah, I wanted just to mention that uh, yeah. some people think uh, big int and small int. I just saw it recently. Uh, it's not standard. Well, it's standard. Small int, big int, all that relational databases which f- want to follow SQL standard implement them. So big int is the choice, but not always. I mean, if you know uh, about storage, we will probably touch the storage topic separately. But uh, sometimes, of course, you want uh, sm- fewer bytes to be spent. So I I think for keys, it makes a lot of sense. And a lot of the advice that's out there, a lot of the good talks that have been given are quite, not necessarily quite old, but they're pre-version 10 of Postgres. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them Mm -hmm. mentioned serial and big serial, but now we have identity. So that problem goes away. I still Um, cannot develop a habit to use it. I still use uh, big serial primary, uh, big serial primary key. The only the only downside of the identity type is it's so long. Like to to type it out is like such verbose uh, syntax. But yeah, I'm trying to get in the habit of using it because because it's standard, right? It's standard, standard, but it also has few. Like serials have some like weird complexities, uh, especially when you well, yeah, especially if you end up having to migrate, as we discussed in the downtime. Column uh, has owner as a table. Table has an owner of like. Of sequence, yeah, ownership. This is kind of yeah. So, about float, what do you want to hear? I I recently what? learned from uh, Peter Gagan on Twitter, yeah, who mentioned that uh, already be published very good uh, benchmark showing how it's good to live without vacuum, uh, and they chose a benchmark which relied on float eight columns, like I think four columns, and created B three. And Peter Gagan mentioned that, uh, unfortunately, B3 optimizations he worked on in Postgres 13 and 14, deduplication, right? These optimizations uh, don't work with float 8. Which is a big deal, right? Because they because yes. they were looking at the impact but on float, especially. Float at all? Well, maybe some people will. Well, I, I mean, so they, the, general, the general advice in the wiki is don't use it, use numeric. Uh, with precision it's like no, don't use money don't use float 8 similar right because yes yeah, so, and, and they give the thing i really like about that wiki is they do go into when should you like what are the right. exceptions i think it's a very very smart way of doing it but in general if you've got any doubt just don't unless you know exactly what you're doing the the optimization by peter reminded me also that recently 
I think it was Postgres 15, may, maybe 14, added a bunch of op- like optimizations around sorting specific data types. Mm-hmm, and I think mm-hmm. the more common or the more standard a data type, the more popular a data type you choose, the more likely it is to gain to benefit from some of these optimizations, whether that's in indexing or sorting or something. Or vice versa, because, for example, if you store your JSON, or, okay, if you store some vectors inside text column, and expect uh, good performance for some algorithms uh, for sure. arbitrary neighbor, uh, neighbor, nearest neighbors search, uh, ANN, right? In this case, you probably will find out that there are extensions which provide better, yeah. b- better fun- functionality and performance. Yeah, I think we should talk about advanced types in a moment. Just before we do, do you have anything you wanted to add on? Like we did a whole, you did a whole episode on UUIDs, so I think we can probably skip those. Yeah, let's um, skip it. Uh, yeah. Anything on booleans or or dates and times? Well, boolean is is not one bit; it's it's one byte. Yeah. <laughs> Unexpectedly bigger than just one bit. Dates and times. The general advice is timestamp time TZ. TZ and yeah. pay attention to ranges. Learn ranges. Oh, yeah. Ranges are great. Right? Good shout. Ranges are yeah. great. They, they have indexes also. So if you have beginning and ending points in time for your like data, consider ranges. They will also take care of data quality. You will never have beginning, which is in future compared to ending point. Yeah, okay. really awesome feature. Yeah, And of course, timestamp TZ, TZ uh, timestamp with time zone is better and just prefer using it that's it so i i also <laughs> i think i recently was productive in terms of tips and one of the tip was to block authors and consultants who explain some postgres stuff to other people and i i asked and it was uh, it, it resonated i saw many good feedback and i mean people like this idea let's stop using integer four for primary keys let's always yeah. use integer eight and develop like uh, help people develop a habit to use integer eight and same for timestamp let's stop using timestamp let's use timestamp tz like this mm-hmm. is like good things uh, for those who write blog posts or develop some i don't know like educational courses and so on i agree and i would add using identity over serial and big serial this is this is probably yes well and in this case you need to advise uh, use cast instead of colon colon and so on and so on like, uh, it depends if you like I don't care I prefer Postgres because they are usually more compact and uh, just more convenient for me so I'm going to continue using sequences and big serial but if you for example develop a course for students who you don't know like many of them will probably go to and use oracle for example and but you use postgres when you educate in this case you need uh, probably to stick with sql standard uh, language syntax right in this case yeah. yes well i, w- I was uh, just teasing because i yeah because i know you said you still use serial yeah, well, I in this today I see your face. I I knew you're teasing, but still worth explaining. Let's yeah. move on, probably. Yeah. All right. Advanced types, arrays, JSON. First, yeah. First of all, uh, we are going to break first normal form. The first normal form, one NF or NF one. I think canonical naming is one NF, right? In, well, I, I actually I, don't know. Is it like what, probably one of them's French or something? That's how these acronyms normally get. 
So the first normal form says you you should you should not put something which can be split to things inside the value in your tables. But well, text can be split to things, and we know in many languages text. And for example, in C, it's it's considered as array as well. Like it, you can work with it as an as a, with array. So there is a first letter, second letter with like index zero, index one, and so on. So it's interesting thing. But anyway, Postgres is very advanced. In queries, we can even collapse whole table, whole relation into inside in one value and then unpack it, manipulating. But it's a different story. As for uh, complex data types, first of all, arrays. They can be of many um, the underlying that data types. For example, int integer eight array or integer four array or text array or and so on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So. It's it's great and but of course you cannot mix so you cannot have both inter and text values inside the same array and uh, things to remember the, the indexing starts with one not zero this is unexpected to many and leads to interesting mistakes sometimes mm-hmm. uh, well arrays are awesome I just can let's say like I use them a lot array underscore agg function which helps me when I group something I can group many things in, into side, inside one value and then I also use parentheses and I can use like I, I say I need only first five elements to see for example if, if you select from pages activity and you, you want some queries mm-hmm. I use a, usually a left function to, to cut them left nice. yep. query comma hundred for example and then I use array underscore agg to aggregate them and then additional parentheses and then access indexes from one to five and you see only first five elements quite convenient in one single input for one row you see five you can also order by inside array agg oh wow that's that's unexpected to many inside the aggregation functions maybe count doesn't count here <laughs> Sorry I feel for like you told me that before, but I've still yeah, like it's haven't super stored it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so when you aggregate, for example, JSON, AGG, text, and array AGG, so you can aggregate. And in this case, you can say I want specific order for when I aggregate, and this order can be different compared to order by clause in your statement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting trick. But what else? Like we have. Arrays is it's only the beginning of the topic, right? It's a huge topic. I mean, complex data types. Yeah, I feel like we should skip JSON because we did a whole episode on it, and we can yeah. point at, at that. And just then, don't follow advice. Uh, who, those who say they prefer always JSON B over JSON, they're probably not completely. It's not probably good, very good advice. In some cases, JSON is much better in terms of performance. So just check. Use both. I would say. Yeah. Yeah, or read about both and see which right. suits your... I think I've seen way more use cases. I've seen way more people using JSON-B at, than I have JSON, yeah. I think for good reasons. Like, also, yeah, reason, we've discussed it at length, haven't we? Raise and JSON is a way to escape from uh, entity attribute value approach, which uh, is terrible when you have a lot of data. These mm-hmm. joints will be terrible. And you can... Actually, you can have like kind of... it's not. It will not be foreign key, but you can put many IDs 
inside one row in this array value and then try to join using a nest function. But it's it's kind of interesting and probably you will have better performance. But uh, okay, okay, JSON and JSONB, let's consider HStore and XML as kind of semi-deprecated oh. yeah. types in our yeah. case. I would try to avoid them. Despite yeah. the fact I, I participated in development of XML and type and functions uh, many years ago, I pr yeah. these days I would probably, if, unless needed, I would try to avoid them. And Edge Store is very old. It has uh, good features, but most of the time you will probably be good with JSON. And it's what other parts of your architecture probably understand. And what else? We have also many others. For example, uh, full text search. TS yeah. vector and TS query, they also com com like they consist of many things. It's TS vector based on the name, you understand like it's uh, many words combined to one vector value and uh, you have, uh, you can create a gene index and have exactly. good performance. New thing, PG vector for very high dimensional vectors like up to 2000, I think they say. And f uh, for not strict neighbor search, but arbitrary neighbor search uh, for this uh, LLM ChatGPT area of engineering, which is currently mm -hmm. very hot. In this case, PG Vector, but by the way, PG Vector is not the best in terms of, it, it implements not the best algorithms. So there is now competition, and I know Neon developed something, PG Embedding, right? And But uh, PG Embedding is quite new and it doesn't, it's like it builds index in memory. I know they develop, they work on making it persistent, this index. So, I mean, if you restart Postgres, you need to build an index, index again. What? <laughs> so it's very new. I wouldn't say it's production ready yet, but it's very interesting because it's, it implements a different algorithm, which probably is considered one of the best right now. I think we're going to need to do a whole episode on PG. Yes, let's do it. Uh, yeah. About vectors. Yeah. I, another one we haven't done an episode on that is it feels rude not to mention in this space is PostGIS in terms of data. This is a, yeah, exactly. And a lot of stuff there, a lot, of course. So many data types, many functions, and uh, it's a whole world. Yeah, incredibly impressive and hugely popular. We've mentioned performance a few times. Is it like, is there anything you wanted to make sure we talked about? I feel like that's that's where some of the choices between these gets interesting. Is there anything that people should be definitely be aware of? Well, I, I don't think we have a lot of time right now, but let's just probably mention a few tips. First of all, documentation. Yeah. Right? Wiki is also good and many articles and blog posts are good. Probably we will attach a few articles which are helpful in terms of learning about various data types. But also data storage tip related to alignment padding. Due to alignment padding, Postgres always need to fill gaps. So if you put one byte and then you put eight bytes, Postgres will need to add seven zeros between them. So there is an approach you, you basically need to either in ascending or descending order arrange so starting from one 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 two 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 three, four 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 and so on mm -hmm. bytes so they pack or vice versa you have 16 16 mm. for example timestamps then eight 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 and there are articles about it and also but it's there are also varlina data types like uh, text varchar yeah ts vector 
vector from PG vector. I'm, I'm sure it's Varlina because it uh, allows very huge, like huge mm-hmm. values up to one gigabyte probably as well, involving toast. These values you should move to the end of the table. In this case, you will have as few zeros these gaps as possible. And it's called column Tetris, basically. Someone yeah. on, on Stack Overflow named it, maybe earlier, I don't know. There are a few articles about it. And sometimes you can save a lot of space, but don't overestimate it. I saw people immediately love this topic and try to optimize. And in many cases, it's it looks like premature optimization because, okay, you save like 3% of storage, but you spend a lot of engineering time. I read a post by Braintree that had huge tables that were very badly optimized. And I think they saved about 10 to 20% from memory. That's great. That's a great example, but it's yeah. rare. Rare and they're, and they're brain tree, you know, they're huge. Yeah, my old ad hoc tool called Postgres DBA has a report, which is a very interesting recursive mm-hmm. CTE I wrote one day. I, I'm still not 100% sure it will work in all cases, but so far it works quite good. And it can tell you, about potential optimization in each table. Mm-hmm. So you you can use it and try to understand if it's worth spending some time to rearrange columns. For some people, it's unexpected that Postgres doesn't do it itself. It's interesting, but it's so. Postgres will store columns as you say, as you define in create yeah. table definition. So. And something, something I only learned today when I was looking it up, I wondered if PG Repack supported changing the order, but it doesn't. Based on implementation details, it can't really. Yeah. So it's very interesting, but potential. you're to roll this yourself, basically, if you want to do this. So There is potential to have it, but it's not supported yet, unfortunately, yeah. You need to rebuild the table and deal with it. It's, it's a huge task. Mm-hmm. If you want to do it without downtime, it's a huge task. But as uh, you remember, we mentioned, uh, don't use int, int4 primary key because I, I saw it very often. Int4 primary key, which is doomed to have a, a wall being bumped into when you reach 2 billion rows, 2.1 billion rows, roughly, right? Half of uh, integer 4 space. And then uh, second column is the timestamp TZ, which is 16 bytes. So we definitely know we lost 4 bytes because they are just alignment pending and uh, we have zeros there. If we used int 8 from very beginning, we wouldn't have this problem with capacity and we would use the same amount of storage, which is very unexpected, but it's so. I think the argument stands to use in 8, even if you were having to pay double the storage, I think there's so much benefit. Because if you're not, let's say you don't hit 2 billion rows, you haven't got that much data to worry, you haven't got that much storage yeah. footprint anyway. But <laughs> if, you've, if you're worried about the storage footprint, you're probably thinking you're going to have more than 2 billion rows, so... That, that would be my argument. Yeah. Okay. Maybe one more advice uh, on your choice and that's it. Oh. What do you think we should do? Well, I see people, types? I see a common argument. It's not just for data types, but people that choose to do things in a standard way or a way that will let them convert between databases over you choosing the power of the current database they're using thinking what if we need to migrate one day yeah. like and i think it's it's an easy trap to fall into it sounds smart but i've not like any of us that have been around for a while you don't move databases that often like it really existing projects have a lot of momentum and a, it costs a lot to migrate there are arguments for doing it we see some from some very expensive vendors coming to postgres but 
it's rare and it's basically so much work that I think you're really hurting yourself by missing out on the power, especially of Postgres, especially when we're talking about so many of these things that are so have so many features, so many functions, so much power, that it feels like such a waste that you'd be missing out on that. It's, so, yeah. yeah. It's like choosing C++ but staying with C only syntax, like uh, the very basic types and so on, and not using power of C++ or some, something like you chose Java, but think, oh, maybe one day we will migrate to, I don't know, like to something else. And you you restrict yourself using only 5% of functionality. It's it's nonsense. Yeah, I think so. But I see people, I see smart people falling into that trap. So I, 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 that's my, my advice would be try to avoid that or try to... Don't consider that. database as something like, a, like, like as gloves. It's a heart, not gloves. It's a, it's a heart of your system. You are going heart. to... Oh, yeah. Heart, yeah. You are not going to replace heart easily. So database is, is in the center of everything. Yeah. Heart transplants are possible, but they're rare. Well, and yes. They, go, they yes. can go badly wrong. It's not gloves. You can just yeah, change yeah. them. I like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Thank you so much. Oh, we, we should remind those who listened until this point, please help us grow with likes, with comments, with feedback. It's, all, it's both helpful for us to understand we are being heard. And also it's helpful, for example, on YouTube, if you like, of course, due to algorithms, it helps our channel grow and make audience bigger and make this project more interesting, basically. True. And requests as well. Feel free to drop requests in the comments on YouTube. We need more requests. Yeah. More requests, please. Thank you. Thanks, everyone.